Michelle Berard. I'm your host, Michelle Berard, founder and CEO of Michelle A. Berard LLC and Urban Book Editor. And I am really happy to share this hour with you where we examine all those places where spirit meets life and the joys and challenges that may bring. You guys know I like to start by thanking Ms. Beverly Black and Tribe Family Channel for helping me create this space for us. Tribe Family Channel is home to an assortment of thought-provoking shows that explore life, spirit, business, and culture, including The Woman at the Well, hosted by Ms. Beverly Black herself. Somewhere in the Middle was born on Tribe Family Channel, and though we've grown onto our own platform, we are ever grateful and loyal to our roots. To paraphrase an African proverb, we are here only because we stand on the shoulders of those who came before us. I want to say thank you to my guest on the January 24th show, food and social justice activist, Reverend Yvette Blair Lavallee. You can connect with Yvette on social media. If you missed that show, make sure you listen to the replay. You can find our complete show archives, including the January 24th show at the somewhere in the middle podcast.com. I also want to shout out Bruce George of the Geniuses Common Movement, which encourages all of us to embrace our inner genius and share it with the world. This is a really important message, and I want you guys to share it with the young people. But it's not just for the youth. We all need to be reminded sometimes that the world needs our genius. Learn more about the Geniuses Common Movement at www.geniusescommon.com. Now, I'm really pleased to introduce this week's guest. She is a wonderful, inspirational speaker, and we've had her on the show before. Tawana Williams was born without arms and with impaired use of her legs. She's an award-winning keynote motivational speaker, TV personality, author, artist, mentor, executive producer, co-producer, businesswoman, humanitarian, and CEO. She is a highly sought after speaker with a powerful and uplifting message for all generations. Her compelling story is one of triumph, perseverance, and determination. Tawana has overcome many obstacles and has never let her disability stop her. She is the first thalidomide baby in the United States that became an internationally acclaimed Les Brown Platinum Motivational Speaker. She's the author of six books, including her classic, Unarmed But Dangerous. This book is her personal testimony, and it will be featured as her debut movie, Eagle Without Wings, coming soon to theaters. Tawana became a professional speaker in 1996 and travels the country with her husband, Toby, speaking at schools, churches, daycares, youth programs, boys and girls clubs, nursing homes, prisons, drug rehab centers, veterans associations, universities, colleges, fraternities, sororities, corporations, and other organizations. Tawana's mission is to give hope and inspiration to those facing adversities and challenges while teaching them how to cope in any situation. Tawana has been featured on The Jerry Springer Show, sharing her story of how she beat the odds, The Judge Hatchet Show to mentor a troubled teen, the Word Network, Mana Express TV, TCT TV, Atlanta Live, Lifetime TV, The 700 Club, Your World with Creflo Dollar, and many other programs. She's been interviewed by Oprah's producers twice by telephone, and her story has been told in numerous magazines. She is a former spokesperson for the Agape Gospel Academy in Atlanta, Georgia. Tawana is the Hope Coach, and she's teaching others how to live a life 
with no more excuses. So I'd like to welcome Tawana Williams back to Somewhere in the Middle with Michelle Berard. Tawana, thank you for coming on the show again. Absolutely. It's a great time to be here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the reason I invited you back and, you know, aside from just your inspiring story in general was because you are a businesswoman. And I think it's really important in our community that we spend more time talking about money and talking about business and particularly for women to talk about money and to talk about business in real practical terms and real frank terms. And one of the things you said during your last interview was about you deciding to keep control of your books and to sell direct instead of through a distributor or retailer like Amazon. Yes. What would you mind giving, you know, so give folks a little bit of a, a overview, if you don't mind, about how you got into writing books first and then why you made some of those decisions that you made. Well, I started writing books in the late, actually early 2000s. Yes, the early 2000s. And I just really wanted to share my story. I started out with my children's book, um, showing with pictures how I did things with my feet and things like that. And then, you know, my um, story, Unarmed But Dangerous, the Tawana Williams story was my classic book. And once I started writing books, that book really um, pushed me um, to the level of the art of writing because the children's book was really just to show kids that it's possible. You know, if I can do it without my arms, um, you know, you can do it too with pictures and rhyming phrases. But when I got into um, really writing in, in, in unarmed but dangerous and telling my story, um, I really realized that that was powerful, you know, and the first book that I sold or just put in somebody's hand, um, I don't even remember which was first, but I'm just saying it was in 2005. And the first, you know, when it was released, it was like a, a, a burden was lifted off of me, really just telling my story. And I realized that, you know, all of the things that had happened to me, good or bad throughout my life, weren't for me. It was always to help somebody else. So it just continued, you know, the next book and then the next. And, you know, I've written six altogether so far. So, you know, it was just really imperative for me that I wanted to make sure that, first of all, I didn't have the money in the beginning to start it out. So, you know, as far as Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all of these different um, gurus, uh, companies, right? You know, I just really didn't know what to do and how to do it, really. And then I realized, you know, that it was a lot of money to do it. You know, Amazon, you know, you have to, uh, there, there are percentages, high percentages, you know, and things like that. So I just, you know, realized that me and my husband, we were just going to start where we were with what we had. We didn't have much. We had love. We had uh, the need to serve and give hope to other people. And so we started there and it just blossomed and it just continued. And, and I'm excited about um, doing everything in-house. You know, I'm a tither. I give give 10% to God. Um, I give to charity, you know, so I'm just grateful um, for the position that I'm in right now, Michelle, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, t talk to me about, I, I think a lot of people, this is something I find with um, my business, you know, as I'm editing books for folks and folks come to me to ask questions about the business. One of the things I realize is a lot of folks don't really get it that if you sell your book, through Amazon or someplace like that, there's a percentage split, right? Yes. Or th they want to buy the book at a discount, essentially. And then you get the difference. So you decide to structure your business differently. From a money perspective, what did that mean? For me, I really didn't have a lot at the beginning. And so, like I said, I started where I was. Uh, my books were only $20. So if I had to give 40% to, to another company. And then, you know, it, it just didn't work. If, if it doesn't make sense, you know, if, if it doesn't make sense, it doesn't, it doesn't work. You know what I'm saying? If the, if the money, the, the numbers don't click, then it, it just doesn't make sense. And so my husband is a financial guru himself. So he was like, Tawana, look, we need to do this a different way. We can't do 
the things that other people are doing because we don't keep up with the Joneses. We've never been in that, uh, you know, that way. We've never done that. So we just, like we said, like I said, we just started where we were and we just started moving on what we had. We started taking massive action, telling people about the book and, you know, just putting it out there. When I would um, travel um, and, and, and go to speaking engagements, my books were on the table. Um, I opened my mouth and I just started telling people, you know, what I was doing and, and you know, just, just sharing, really. That's how I did it. And that's how I started. But I realized that, you know, um, $20 is not a lot of money. Plus, you got to have some re-up money to order more books. So it really didn't make sense to give 40 50%, even 30% to another mm -hmm. company. And we just decided to do it in-house. So the difference is that you all um, got some of your books printed yes. and you would go and do live events. Is that how you mostly sold books initially? Absolutely. And I still do that. This is our 22nd, almost 23rd year of traveling and speaking, giving hope to people. Um, you know, this, that's how I started. I put them on the table. People um, gravitated. You know, when you impact the people, the income is the income is month is coming. So I realized income impact drive income for me. And so I just blessed the people out of my mouth on stage and people would follow me to the back of the room. And, you know, that's just how I did it. So you're, you're working primarily through speaking engagements. So what would you advise, let's say, a new author? Maybe they're doing memoir, maybe they're doing self-help. They could even be doing fiction, who knows, whatever it is that they're doing. What would you advise them in terms of ways that they can get their book out there, get the message out about their book? Wow, that's a great question because I really don't advise on how because for me, nobody taught me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just saying, for me, Michelle, it was just like trial and error for me. When it didn't work over here, I changed the, the, I changed the game and went over there. Um, but, you know, for me, just commit yourself totally to it. You know, um, always exceed your expectations. In other words, aim high, do it harder than the next person. I'm not uh, a, comp a competitor and I'm not talking about be in competition, but always exceed your expectations and aim high, do it harder than the next person. And, you know, just, just to just transform your mind to renew the things that you want. And that's how I did it. It was for me, it was just really um, trial and error. Honestly, that's how I figured it out. You know, what didn't work, I moved on. Okay, that didn't work. I just moved on and found something else. I figured it out. I figured it out. That's the answer right there. I figured it out with no instructions nor directions, Michelle. I just figured it out. And if that, you know, I don't want to be sounding, um, um, facetious or funny or anything, but I'm just saying that's how I did it in the beginning because in the beginning, I didn't have anyone to show me the way. I just moved on what I knew. I knew that I wanted to make a difference in people's lives. I knew that I wanted to change, um, change lives and transform lives with my message of hope, help, and inspiration. And I just moved where I was. I started where I was and, and, and it all came together and it worked and it did not happened overnight. It was a process for me. And here we are today, six books later, 22, almost 23 years later, and we're doing what we love to do. And that's giving hope one person at a time. Well, you know what I heard you say, although you didn't use these words, was that you were experimenting with different techniques. Yep. That's to get exactly. your message out. Am I hearing that correctly? Absolutely. Absolutely. So you might have tried, you know, one, maybe you tried one type of messaging, one type, one way of talking to people, and maybe that didn't work out as well. And so you tweak the language, you tweak, yeah. your, tweak your message. Did you find that it, well, I mean, I know for me, when, when I'm going through this process with the marketing and so forth, that's challenging. And sometimes you can get a little discouraged. Did you find yourself discouraged sometimes? 
Absolutely. Many times, many times, many times. And I just kept it moving. Every time I fell down, I got up again and again and again because I'm a servant first. Mm -hmm. You know, I serve the people of God. I serve people first. And um, I just kept doing it and kept, you know, until I figured it out. And that's what I did. And I thank you for for um, giving me the, you know, the words, because I was like, I really don't. Nobody has ever asked me the question like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, you know what? I thought it was fascinating. You know why? I think it's fascinating, too, that you say something else. Most people talk about getting knocked down or falling down and getting back up in terms of being a fighter or being a warrior. But you talked about it in terms of being a servant. Yep. Yep. Explain. That's all I know. You know, I'm a messenger of hope, help, and inspiration. You know, as you, as you know, I was born without my arms and everything around me said that I couldn't do it. So ultimately I had to do it. You know, I had to do it. I, the, I had to shut the naysayers down long time ago and let them know that all things are possible to them that believe. And I knew that I was a believer. I knew that on, there was a greater inside of me than the, the average person. You know, I knew that I was not average. I'm above average. I'm extraordinary, you know? And so when those things clicked in my spirit, in my soul, I just moved on what I had and what I knew. God told me that I could do it. I trusted. I believed in it. I moved on it. And here I am. And that's how I've done it. So, but my question is a little more specific. Mm -hmm. My question is really, why would you give, get the, you have a different way of thinking about the concept of, of um, setbacks where it, it what, what I'm hearing is it sounds like you have a slightly different view. Most of us come at this concepts of setbacks, like we are fighting through it. You said serve. And I think that's fascinating because nobody thinks of a servant as someone who gets knocked down and gets back up. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But for me, how about just, just think about this, you know, for me, just seeing and observing people do things around me, things that I couldn't do, that, you know, people that told me what I couldn't do, at some point I had to do it. And so because I dreamt it, because I believed it, because I knew that God told me I could do it, I tried it. And it worked over and over again. Yes, I fell down, as I said, but I got up. I had to get up. You know, there was, there was no option for me. You know, I just figured it out and I moved on what I knew, what I had, and I trusted God. I, I trusted the, the God in me, the process in my heart, you know, that I could do it and I continued to do it. It wasn't easy. My God, it was not easy, Michelle. But like I said, every time I fell, I got up and I kept it moving. You know, I, mm -hmm. I, I sucked it up. I dried my tears and I kept it moving because, you know, we all have that, we all have that inner strength, whether we, we know it or not, whether we believe it or not, we all have the same greatness that's inside. As Les Brown told me years ago, he said, Tawana, all of us, we were all born the same way, dumb, speechless, and naked. Everything else, there were... Uh, traits that we learn, things that we learn growing up, you know, just just life and, and circumstances and opportunities and all of those um, cliches and verb words and all of that. So, so, you know, we all had the opportunity to do something great. I just made a conscious decision that I was going to live and not die and help people and serve people. That's who I am. My husband, Toby and I, we've been traveling this country for almost 23 years and nine and, nine and a half of those years, we did it for free. When people didn't have the money, you know, people would call me and say, Tawana, I saw you on so-and-so TV show and I love what you do. 
Could you, we don't have the money, but could you please come and, and be a blessing to our young people, be a blessing to our, our, our men's group or our women's group or our conference or this or that. And I said, yes, yes, yes. And amen. My words are yes. And amen. You know, I didn't, didn't know what I was doing in the beginning. I just knew that I wanted to serve and here I am, you know, I wouldn't recommend anyone to start out free like myself. <laughs> I'm just being real and honest. Uh -huh. Parent, but I'm just saying that's what I did. I moved on what I had. I didn't know less in the beginning when I saw uh, when I started speaking in 1996. I didn't meet Les Brown until 2004, and prior to meeting him, I just did what I knew. And once I met him, he, you know, everything changed. The game changed for me. You know, he took my, he helped me take my message. Um, no, he helped me take my story into a and change it into a message of hope and inspiration for people all all around the world. So I'm excited about uh, my why. You know, you gotta have a why. You gotta know why you're here, what your purpose is. And once I figured out my why, Michelle, it was on and popping. <laughs> That's awesome. So let me ask you some practical questions. Sure. So. You went to a publishing company and had them publish how many of your first book? Actually, I self-published all six of my books. Okay, so how many, how many did you get printed of the first book? Um, it was about 5,000. Ooh, so you made a good investment. Yes, I did. And okay. I, that's how I order mine, you know, in, in bulk. I make sure. I knew, like I said, God showed me. He told me what to do. And I trusted and I believed it. And I just moved on it. I sold my first batch. I think I sold within the first six months. That's beautiful. Yeah. But were you already, did you already have speaking engagements lined up before yes. you started? Okay. So you were already doing public speaking. Yes. Um, some of your gigs were free. Some were paid. Yes. And when I was paid, it wasn't much. I'm just right, <laughs> right. So, you know, just starting out, you know, you might get in a little honorarium basically. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. You know, I've had speaking engagements where I got lunch, that was my payment. Yeah. Uh, chicken dinner <laughs> basket, flower basket. I know. Right. Yeah. right. I've been there. Look, and some of them don't even know my t shirt size, my color right. I like, or anything. It was funny, but uh, it, it, it's, it's all good. <laughs> okay. So you would, but you would go to the, you go to your event. You'd have your books with you. You would share your story. You'd share your message. And um, then what'd you do? Did you sell from the stage or did you just kind of say, hey, I have some books in the back? Nope. Well, I told them, meet, you know, I'll meet you at my product table. It's in the back. And people would swarm to my table. And, and everything they purchased, I would personally sign with my toes. Yes, I, I write. I draw. I'm an artist. I'm just saying, I, I don't play with my stuff. So, you know, anything they purchase. My husband would be um, distributing and talking to the people and selling the product, and I'd be on the other side signing product. So, you know, and that's what we've been doing for 22, almost 23 years. So, you know, it, it's just a, it's just a win-win-win situation or blessing for everybody. It, it, was right. just, it was just a blessing. So you were, you were getting their interest from the stage and then you say, Hey, meet me in the back. Let's talk. You know, I want to meet you. And they would come to your table and that's where you would do the one-on-one -on -one and you, your, your husband and you would sell. So basically you had a two person team. Yep. <laughs> yes. And I, I believe in putting husbands to work. So I think that was a good move on your part. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I like that. I'll tell Toby about that. I'll tell him. <laughs> but but as things shifted, did you find that it, you know, you started, you said that you hooked up with Les Brown and he helped you change or convert or, or um, move from just sharing your story to sharing the message behind your story is what I'm hearing. Yes. And as you started doing that, did you see a transformation in the way that the actual business went as far as, you know, the book sales and other opportunities? Absolutely. Yes, I did. Um, doors started opening, you know, um, blessings. It was, it was just, it was just overwhelming, you know, big time speaking engagements started coming. You know, the more I did it, the more I talked, the better I got. And, you know, it just went, um, it was like, like a map, you know, it was like, you know, it, it was a map and I just walked 
they're in. And it just all came together. Absolutely. So what it sounds like, and I want to make sure that I'm hearing correctly, um, that primarily you are a public speaker. And the books almost act as a supplement to your message or a, a concrete piece of your message that you can share with people. Am I hearing you correctly? Absolutely. That's, that's okay. what I do. My, my message of help, hope, and inspiration is, is for all people, you know, my, from the babies to the elders, everyone can receive a blessing from the message. And not only do I speak from the stage after I finish speaking, I sit down in my chair and I demonstrate because demonstration beats conversation every time. And so after talking and sharing, I sit down and demonstrate how I took care of my daughter, how I do things with my feet. And people are amazed. And, you know, it really just um, pushes people right into their passion and their purpose. You know, Mm -hmm. by the time, by the time they leave, it's like, what in the world have I been doing for the last 20 years of my life? You know, this lady here without arms doing all these things and she's doing it, you know, with what she has and shame on me. And I mean, I hear the stories all the time. You know, I'm ashamed of myself, Tawana. And, you know, it's okay. I tell them it's okay. Now, here's my business card. Let's talk. Um, if you need help, if you need some mentorship or whatever you need, here, contact me and and we help people. That's what we do. So it's, uh, it's all working together. So when did you start working with people? It sounds like you've got, you know, one-on-one folks maybe, and maybe some group folks that you work with. When did that start? Um, it was about in 2010. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to have a conference call, a weekly call on Thursday nights and, you know, all of the, most of the people on the call would always uh, want, after the call, they would want to have another call. (laughs) So it was just funny. And so it just started some one-on-one sessions. And, you know, that's what I do. I don't do group sessions. I think everybody is individual and everybody needs to be personable. Everybody needs to know um, one-on-one, this is how it can be done just for you, you know? So that's what I do Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday night, sometimes Friday, if I'm not on the road traveling. But mm-hmm. yeah, I try to make myself available at all times for people um, if because people don't want to know how, how much you've done, how many things you've done. They want to know how much you care. And one thing people do know is that I care about them. So, you know, that that's just how I move and how I roll and I'm just grateful and honored to be the hope coach and always make sure, making sure that I'm um, helping other people first, you know, that's yeah. what's, yeah. 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 So from a, a business structure perspective, mm-hmm. how did you decide that you were going to grow in the area of what I'm, I'm going to call coaching for lack of a better word? How did you, how did you decide to grow in that area? Uh, the people, you know, they needed me. And I just said yes to the process. I never charge my clients for um, coaching. Um, that's one thing that I said that I would never do because Les gave it to me. My life coach, Art Dotes, gave it to me. And I just promised God and promised myself and promised people that I would never charge a dime for my coaching and mentor. Um, sessions. And so we've been doing this since 2010 and it's working. People are learning and growing and um, mastering their own gifts and um, it's working. And so I just, I just thank God that I'm, you know, that I'm willing to, to be able to do what other people aren't because most people won't do it for, for, for free, you know, Mm -hmm. but, but, you know, like I said, it was given to me. How dare me charge someone else for something that was given to me right yeah well what about if so um let's say they're folks who they got to keep the lights on uh (laughs) they and they they weren't they weren't given a great gift like that 
what do you recommend to those folks to help them get started um, with their, you know, really pushing through and, and discovering what their gifts are and how they can help and how they can serve? Wow. That's a great question. Um, <laughs> what well, really for me, I think that there's got to be balance. You know, the balance has to come into play at some point in your life. And as you say, you want to do X, Y, Z, you've got to be able to get started and move. And like I said, you, you got to have balance in your life. And when I say balance, you know, for me, I'm a speaker, artist, author, mother, grandmother, uh, you know, this, that, you know, CEO. I do all these hats. I have all these hats, wear all these hats and do all these things. But when it's time for me to be the wife, I take care of my husband. Everything else shuts down. When it's time to be a, a mother with, to my daughter, I shut my husband down. And I you know, one-on-one -on -one with April. You know what I'm saying? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. You know, when, when it's time for my client, Toby is gone or go, he's in the room and I'm in my office and I'm doing one-on-one -on -one with my client. So I had to balance. And balance is hard to do for, you know, a lot of people don't do balance really well. So I just realized that I had to balance. And, you know, there are some things that you got to do when you say you want to, um, structure your life and have balance in your life. First thing you got to do is you got to stop whining and complaining about everything. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? The whoa, it's me syndrome. That's over. Stop whining, wimping, and complaining. Then you got to position yourself around positive, like-minded people, people that think like you, that people that want to be like you, things that you want to do. Hang around those type of people. Then you got to take responsibility and control of your life in every area. That is so important that you take responsibility responsibility and hold yourself accountable for the things that you want. Then, you know, that you got to upgrade your relationships and your knowledge. Start reading books about what you want to do, whether it be you being a speaker or an author, whatever it is you want to do, learn about that thing and master that thing. Upgrade your relationship and your knowledge about whatever it is you want to do. And then finally, I want you to upgrade your determination Ladies and gentlemen, you got to see yourself doing it first. If you can't see it, it will never show up in your life. So upgrade your determination today. And those five tips to balance your life have resonated throughout my soul, my spirit. That's how I move. That's how I think. That's how I move and, and help other, other people. That's how I do it, Michelle. So... Part of what you want to do is look for how you can be of service to others. But part of what the other thing that you want to do is learn how to take responsibility for yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely. In every area, in every area. If you say you want to be uh, a, a writer, you say you want to um, be a, whatever it is you say you want to be or do, then you got to work on that thing, structure it, read about it, learn about it. You got to eat, sleep, and do it. You know what I'm saying? You got to move, master that thing. That's how I did it. You know, no, there's nothing so great about me. I just made a conscious decision that I was going to live and not die. I made a conscious decision that I was not going to uh, go downtown and get a disability check. Because one thing I realized is that disability couldn't pay me what I was worth. So I figured it out. I figured out a way to do it. And, you know, my mind told me I could, my heart told me I could, you know, I just did it. I just moved on it. But you buried a little piece of nugget, a little nugget of wisdom in that statement, because you said disability couldn't pay you what you were worth. One of the main keys is you have to know your worth, your worth or you have to decide your worth. That's what I'm going to say. You have to decide your worth and you decided, oh, they can't pay me enough. Absolutely. I made it. I made that decision a long time ago. I wasn't going to do it. I wasn't going to do it. I realized that I, had, I was more than that. I was worthy. You know, I was I was I was greater than that. I was bigger than that. You know, and I just moved on what I knew and what I trusted. And it all 
work. It all came together. You know, I started encouraging myself, talking and speaking life over myself. I affirmed myself on a daily basis. I get that mirror talk every day. I stop by my mirror, Michelle, and I just talk to myself. And I tell myself, looking at my own reflection, Tawana, you can do this. I know it's hard. I know it's tough. I know everybody can't do it, but you can. Now get it done. And that's how I moved on it. That's what I do. That's how I do it. Mm. That's critical. Yeah. To, you know, really. And, and I say this because I think it's so easy, particularly for women. Yeah. And women of color. Yep. Everybody wants to tell us how much we are worth. Everybody wants to tell us how much we are or are not worth, how much money we can earn. People want to tell us how much, you know, what we deserve in their eyes. And we really have to decide for ourselves, what we deserve. It's really a decision. That's what you, that's really what I hear you saying. Absolutely. I made a, the ultimate decision. You know, I love good quotes and Oliver Goldsmith, I love his quotes. And he said, people seldom improve when they have no other model, but themselves to copy. Mm -hmm. My God. Mm -hmm. My God. Mm -hmm. You've got to have people in your life that push you, that you can you can mimic, that you can see. If you can see it, you can believe it. You know, if you can't, you, the only way you can touch it and 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 hold on to that is you gotta see it. You gotta believe it in your heart. I know it, it sounds weird and it sounds crazy, but that's how I did it. I saw myself doing it. I saw myself speaking on the stages uh, with, with, the, with the mega churches and you know all of the things and the TV shows. I saw myself doing those things one day and it happened and it blew my mind. I was like, wow, it was like a dream. But no, it was not a dream. It was reality. It was my reality because I spoke it. I believed it and I worked towards it. And here I am today. And when you decided that you were going to maintain control over your own books, mm -hmm. what did that mean for you financially? Obviously, I'm not asking you exact numbers, but what's the difference? What, if you could say, um, what does that mean for you financially for you to control your sales versus putting it through, let's say, through Amazon? It's just a blessing. That's all I can say. It's a, it is a blessing to be able to um, have and, you know, receive the blessings. You know, you, you, you give and then it comes back to you. Press down, shaking. The, I'm just saying, it, you know, when you give and you, you do it and you help other people at some point, it's going to come back to you. You know, I, I like it. I just, I just can't explain um, how it happened, all I can tell you is that it happened. It works. If you work this thing, it can work for you too. If you want it, don't give yourself any more excuses not to go get it. If you want it, go get it. If I did, I'm a living witness. I'm a living testament of what you can do. If you put your mind to it, you can do it. I started out, my husband gave me $300. We prayed. He bought me a computer. He bought me some business cards. He said, now go get busy. And I got busy. I called strangers. I called strangers to open doors for me. I would tech, excuse me, I would type um, 50 to 60 people a day, strangers, letting them know who I was and what I wanted to do, my passion and my purpose. And, you know, one at a time, person by person, you know, people would say yes. Everybody didn't say yes, but I tell you what, I had more yeses than I had no's. <laughs> yeah. And it worked. <laughs> well, and when you have no's, you have to just brush that off because it has nothing to do with you. That's right. right. For me, my word is this. The word no does not mean no. It means next <laughs> Exactly. I love that. The word no does not mean no. It means next. I like Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Like that. that. That's how I rolled. That's how I, um, that was my mindset. You know, I adopted the mindset of there's a, you know, the word yes. That's how I gave permission to myself. I told myself, yes, Tawana, you can do it. Let's get it done. No matter what, 
what what the naysayers say, no matter what the haters say, girl, get the thing done. And that's how I moved. And that's how I did it. There you go. Well, Tawana, where can people connect with you? How can they find you? Um, what's your website, social media, all of that? Yes. TawanaWilliams.com. That's T-A-W-A-N-A Williams.com. My email, Tawana, the hope coach at gmail.com. I'm on social media, Tawana.Williams, um, Twitter, unarmed underscore diva. Um, <laughs> and I'm just doing this thing. It's powerful. I'm grateful. As a matter of fact, I'm working on co-producing my debut movie, Eagle Without Wings. We need some 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 partners, people that want to be a part of what we're doing. Um, you can also reach me there at eaglewithoutwings.com. That's the website for the movie. Check it out. See what we're doing. We've got three um, little, well, they're not little anymore. Some three young ladies that were born just like me without their arms. Wow. Um, one, okay, let me back up and slow down. Beautiful. Um, her name is Beautiful, and she is in Chicago. She's 10. Then we've got Angel. She is in Florida. She's 17. She was born without arms also. And then we have Kashmir. She is in uh, Dallas. Yeah. <laughs> Thank okay. you. She's, she's in Dallas. And Kashmir is going to play me also. She was born without arms. So I've got three sisters, three mini-me's that are going oh. to portray me in the movie. Man, this thing is about to explode. So we are excited. We're working on some A-listers, um, some big-time actresses uh, to play me in the movie. I'm excited. Um, they're going to make it seem as if, make it look like I don't have arms. You know, it, it's just going to be uh, an awesome, awesome experience. So please check it out. Eagle Without Wings. Dot com. Um, you can also call my business line, 252-291-6081 from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern, Eastern Standard Time. And I am so grateful and honored um, to be able to serve and give hope. If you need me as a speaker, I'm your girl. That's what I do. <laughs> there you go. That's what she does. Tawana, thank you so much for being on Somewhere in the Middle. Thank you, Michelle. I thank you for your um, platform. You just sharing your platform with me and um, we're excited and thank you so much. Next up, our good friend Julia Black will be joining me for True Talk. I know building a website can be intimidating, but you need a place where your audience can connect with you. Instead of fighting with technology, try the easiest, most flexible website builder available. With templates for all types of websites, ranging from landing pages to e-commerce, Urban Book Editor's platform makes creating an author website quick and easy. Just add a section, upload your photos and videos, type your text, and you're in business. It couldn't be easier. And if you sign up for an annual plan, you can get 10% off the first year. Just use discount code FIRSTYEAR. That's one S-T-Y-E-A-R, the number one, S-T-Y-E-A-R, in all caps. Take advantage of the 14-day free trial. No credit card is needed. Visit urbanbookeditor.com and select Create Your Author Website from the menu bar at the top of the page. No more struggling with technology. No more paying a small fortune to developers. Create beautiful websites without learning to code. Spend more time writing and less time worrying about your website. Just go to urbanbookeditor.com and select Create Your Author Website. You'll see how easy it is to build a great website to showcase your work. Go to urbanbookeditor.com and select Create Your Author Website today. So I'd like to welcome Julia Black. To True Talk, Julia, thanks for being on the show. Hi. So you and I, you know, we talk offline so much. And one of the things that we were talking about was some of the challenges of starting your own business. And I think there are just so many things that you're not prepared for, or you think you're prepared for, <laughs> or you <laughs> think you understand. And I know for me, you know, I work with a lot of people, you know, I work with the writers 
uh, coming through for the editing and, and, and coaching. And most of them don't realize they're even starting a business when they start a writing career, that that's what they're embarking on. And that has all these other bits and baggage that go along with it. What are your thoughts on some of those challenges that you might experience starting a business? Well, I think there's, well, for me, I went from working corporate to going, okay, I'll just have business and I'll, and I'll write and I'll essentially do everything that I was doing corporate. I'll just do it at home. Um, and that'll be easy, right? Everybody, everybody I know knows I'm a writer, so they'll take, you know, they'll, they'll help me promote and it will, you know, and I'll put up a website. So I'll, so I'll, um, look like a, you know, I'll be validated as a business and all of this stuff, but it, it doesn't quite work that way. Um, well, <laughs> I'm very good at, you know, you give me something to write or you give me something to edit and I can do it really well, but that shockingly, um, is a very small part of my business yeah. <laughs> the tasks that I have to do. It is the focus of it. It is what I do, but there's, um, really, really a lot of marketing involved, um, much more marketing than I was expecting. I think, um, there's a lot of if, ways that you have to try and market yourself, um, you know, and, and do it in a lot of different ways, whether it's, um, online or, you know, making sure that, that Google finds you, um, and social media posts and social media posts in different social media platforms. Um, and, uh, you know, newsletters and, um, networking meetings and all of that stuff. Like there's just so many ways that you have to kind of put yourself out there so that you could actually get the clients that are going to, that you can use, um, or that you can help with whatever your expertise is. Um, so that just but, takes so much time. <laughs> but there's not just the marketing. There's you, you're, you, when you start a business, a solopreneur in particular, you're starting a business where you are, you know, head cook and bottle washer, basically mm -hmm. you you're doing the accounting you're doing the yeah. um you know you're doing the actual work of the business you're doing the marketing to grow the business like you talked about mm -hmm. um if you do have any uh employees or contractors that are working with you you're doing project management work over, uh for the project itself but you're also managing the people mm -hmm. i mean you have so many moving parts yeah. And um, a lot of, and a lot of, for me, a lot of learning new software. Um, and while I can edit in Word and I, and I'm pretty good at editing things in Acrobat um, and, and messing with PDFs and Word documents and stuff, when it came to creating social, pretty social media posts, I had to learn a different platform um, to make them. When it came to doing an online class, I had to learn a different platform to do that. When it came to creating my website, um, I had to learn a platform to do that. And I had to learn how to market um, and write from a marketing perspective, which even as someone who is a copywriter is hard to do for your own business. Uh, it's amazing how hard it is to promote your own business when, when compared to the work that you've done promoting other people's businesses, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, because I can look at, I mean, often part of, part of why I'm good at what I do is that I can look at somebody's business and go, oh, have you thought about marketing it from this point of view? Have you thought about doing it from that point of view? Um, and I don't know, I don't know anybody else. I don't know any other kind of copywriters or marketing writers out there. So, <laughs> so it's hard for me to like bounce ideas off. You know, I can talk to my other writer friends or I can talk to my other marketing friends. Um, but figuring out how to write the copy and do it in such a way that's client focused can, can be a challenge. I as I think about, if, you know, the way that I try and explain it to people is, you know, remember writing your bio on your resume? Remember how hard that was? Yeah. <laughs> like try doing that for a whole website. Like it's hard to do. It's part of the reason why I think it's important to hire a copywriter. Um, but when I'm starting out, I couldn't, 
find one and didn't have the money to hire one. So, okay, if I'm going to do this, I should do it for myself. Here we go. But there were, but, you know, in addition to that, in addition to that challenge, which everybody kind of goes through, there's still the challenge of learning all the technology. Um, and I haven't felt, I've never really felt particularly technologically savvy. Um, I do okay, but I'm not nearly as adept as I would like to be. And so there were always um, self-confidence issues and frustration issues and which led to procrastination because I didn't want to do it um, and having to kind of work through all of that because whenever I got frustrated and I couldn't figure it out, then it would go, should I really be doing this? Is this really something I want to do? Because when you're in the, when you're kind of in the muck of whatever you're frustrated with, it's hard for you to remember why you decided to do what you do. And I wasn't, I didn't start my own business so that I could learn how to put a website together. I started my own business right. so that I could actually write and edit stuff for people. Um, but I was getting, I was so overwhelmed with all of this other stuff um, that it was hard to remember why I was doing it. Well, but you know, it's funny because that other piece that I think is often overlooked is sometimes that challenge with uh, writing our own copy about our own businesses, especially like I've, I've done promotion for companies I've worked for before. I've put together webinars for them. I've put together um, articles and, and blog posts and uh, YouTube videos to promote webinars, all kinds of stuff, but doing it for yourself ends up being a little intimidating. And I don't know if this is particularly unique to women or just in general, because you, you get a little scared. Like, do mm -hmm. I really, how do, how do I really help? How do I really serve? And then even if you're really confident in your skills, how do I talk about that in such a way mm -hmm. that I don't sound like an arrogant prick, you know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and for me, there was a lot of, why are they going to listen to me if, if they can listen to these other people who do it so much better than I do? Um, but the answer, you know, the answer is, well, but they know you, um, or you're the one that's in their circle. Sure. There are all these other people. There's all these other copywriters. There's all these other people doing what I'm doing. Um, but one of the things that I've been shocked about, um, when I decided to become a copywriter is that in my particular area, there are none. Wow. There are none. Every networking meeting I go to, there is no, there are no copywriters. That's interesting. Um, and so it was like, okay, yeah, there's, you know, there's all of these people that are great, amazing copywriters, but there's none in my circle. So this is, so I'm the one that they're going to be looking to. So it's okay. Um, and yeah, I have a lot of knowledge. I may as well impart that in my own way. And if it turns out that it's not helpful or they'd rather go to this other person, then that's okay too. But there are going to be people that, that hear what I have to say and are where it's going to resonate when I, when I talk about it. Well, yeah, because not everything is for everybody. So there's, right. you know, the way that you communicate these things is going to resonate with some people and the way someone else communicates is going to resonate with other people. But what's really interesting is when you see your tribe starting to come together and it, it takes time. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that's kind of getting back to what you were talking about before with the marketing, like not realizing not only how much physical time it takes to do that work of marketing the business, promoting the business, thinking about how you're going to promote the business, but also how much time it can take to actually build up your audience and to build mm -hmm. up your following. Because I think I think it, one of the most damaging things that we see on a daily basis is this particular video or this particular tweet or this particular thing going viral and feeling like that's more normal than it actually is. Most yeah. people do not go viral. That's just, it takes a while, unless you're already what you might call famous in the analog world, it takes time to get famous in the digital world. You don't just go viral all of a sudden, and, and then you necessarily uh, have 100,000 followers or, you know, a million followers. It takes time to build up to that. Yeah. And, and the majority, you know, and in addition to that, each, you know, social media platform has different, I'll call them rules, but it's not really rules, but there are different kind of rubrics that people use or that, that you have to use 
for whatever you're promoting to sell. So it's going to look different on Instagram than it's going to look on right. Facebook. And that's going to look different than what's on Twitter or what's on LinkedIn. And so you have to have different strategies for each platform and learn how you can get um, get the followers you have to interact with you and then um, and then be able to figure out how to convert those to sales based on what works for each platform. It, it takes a long time. It takes a lot of research. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a very creative endeavor. Well, and you know, not even just that, but marketing is more than social media marketing. So, yeah. and some businesses never do social media. They may throw up a website, just have some place for people to land or, mm -hmm. you know, put up a Facebook page, just have, for people to have some place to get to them uh, online, mm -hmm. but most of their business is done through relationships. Yeah. You know? So it's not just the marketing in that way. It's actually figuring out, well, what is the best way for me to market my business? Maybe it is to actually pound the pavement a little bit mm -hmm. or to make sure I'm going to networking meetings and growing my, tr my uh, circle and mm -hmm. seeing who I can interact with where we can help one another in business, right. you know? Well, and it's important to know who your clients are, right? So yeah. my, my ideal client is somebody that is, um, kind of a holistic health practitioner. So an acupuncturist, chiropractor, life coach, something like that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those people don't with life coaches do, do, do plenty of stuff online, but acupuncturists and chiropractors don't. Right. So there has to be a way that you find who your ideal client is so that you can meet them so that they want to work with you. So you have to find out where they're at. So then you can start talking to them and creating relationships and, and, um, getting them to, to kind of trust you and, and, you know, learn about how you can help them. Well, I would like to think about this a little differently too. I'd like people to think about this as a kind of a self discovery journey too. You know what I mean? The whole concept yeah. of, because when you're starting a business, you learn a lot about yourself, not just, mm -hmm. not just your market, not just your service or product. You learn, you really learn a lot about yourself. You, like you, you hinted at some of it when you talked about, well, you felt in a little unstable in that area of the technology. And so then you would procrastinate because you didn't really want to deal with it because you didn't feel stable there. Right. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. it really gives you an opportunity to look at how you handle things, where your challenges lie, how you can overcome those challenges or work through those challenges and come out on the other side uh, better in those areas or where you need to let things go and get other people involved to have more expertise in you because that can be a really hard thing. Yeah. as well. You know, like for me, that's been a big challenge is to say, you know what, I don't have the bandwidth for this. I need help. And that's another thing that a lot of people starting small businesses, uh, you know, starting their own businesses. And I think, and again, I think this may be one, particularly with women, we don't always delegate well because we're used to doing so much. Right. And at some point, if you are the owner of a business and you are your primary task should be growing the business. And if your skills are necessary for the business to run, you know, to do the business, that is to say, you know, if you're a writer or if you're the, you know, editor or whatever, mm -hmm. then your business, your, the bulk of your time should be spent between marketing that business, growing the business and doing the work of the business. But you should mm -hmm. have someone else to help with other pieces. Maybe the marketing yeah. a little bit, the technology, the, you know, the general admin stuff, mm -hmm. the accounting stuff. That's what's, you know, sometimes I think it's really hard for us to let things go when we need to yeah. have our hands free to do other things that are more beneficial to growing the business and really making it sustainable. Yeah. And I think going back to um, the, the self-reflection stuff, what, what was the, the, the amount of self-reflection and self-work like personal growth work that I had to do, um, particularly the first year that I started the business, but that I've continued to have to do um, since then, uh, is still shocking to me. 
Um, but I actually did figure, I figured some stuff out while I was working from home. You know, there were days when I was, when it was really hard for me to stay motivated and it was really hard for me to focus. And one day I stopped and I said, okay, what's happening here? Um, and instead of pushing through and trying to find something that I could do, despite how unfocused and unmotivated I was, I stopped for a minute and I asked, okay, what, what is going on here? Here are all the things that I have to do and why don't I want to do them? Or is there something that's making me unmotivated to do them? And that's when it was, that's when things about how, uh, you know, the imposter syndrome stuff came out, the self-esteem mm -hmm issues started coming out or resurfacing, um, anything associated with how, um, un, how, how, how ignorant I was about technology and how technology works um, and me finally acknowledging how uncomfortable a lot of technology stuff made me. Um, and all I did then from that point on, every time I was unmotivated or unfocused and I couldn't pinpoint some external factor, um, you know, like if there was some kind of family drama or something going on that was going to pull me away anyway, um, I stopped. I stopped what I was doing and I spent, I did some self-care and I did some journaling and I worked through the issue and sure enough, in a couple hours later or the next day, I was able to just jump in and start doing what I needed to do. Um, but taking that time while it seemed, while I was, when I started doing it, I was frustrated with it because it seemed like a waste of time. It actually helped out in the long run um, because I was working through things that were holding me back. And yeah. those are the kinds of things that we can't really do when we work for somebody else, right? Is that you're right. unmotivated, you just kind of do things, you know, that's when you start talking to your neighbor or you, you know, serve- Go get a snack. You know, you go get a snack or you surf the internet or you, you know, you do whatever when you're in an office, when you can't, when you can't do it necessarily when you are doing, when you have your own business. Well, if you were to give like three tips mm -hmm. for people who are starting their own businesses, maybe running into some of these challenges, what would those three things be? Definitely. Um, get some kind of a network of people that have started a business and can kind of normalize and help you work through some of the challenges that you're having. Um, you know, find, absolutely find a networking group. Even, even if your, your business is not the kind of business that um, you can network to get clients. So like, for example, if you're a therapist, um, you can go to a networking group, but none of the people in your networking group can become your clients. Um, but still go because that is going to give you people around you that have started their own business and understand the challenges and understand all this other stuff um, so that they can help you for sure. Um, do as much research as you can. That, that's number one. Number two, do as much research as you can. Um, about marketing and different types of marketing and how that's going to help you um, and how to do it in different platforms um, and in different ways, um, depending on what your business is. And then um, for number three, spend some time doing your own work. Work through whatever your imposter syndrome, self-confidence, any of that stuff is. Um, and take the time to do it because once you work through it, the rest of your business will be a lot easier, I think. And, and I would just add to that, that remember that that's an ongoing process. You don't mm -hmm. just solve all your issues today <laughs> and then you have no more imposter just... syndrome issues or no more right. because every time you level up in your business, every time you level up in any area of your life, you're going to experience challenges and insecurities. So just know that that's going to be an ongoing process. And um, yeah, and I would say, I would also add, you know, get a coach, mm -hmm. get a coach, because a coach can help you to guide yourself through that. You know, they're, they're not doing therapy, but what they're doing is helping you to, you know, just kind of find a path forward when you run into some of those roadblocks. That's yeah. really what they do.
And yeah, I mean, spend it's some good time to have that objective, that objective view. Yeah. Spend some to, to don't the, the only, the only qualification I have about the coach is to spend some time finding a coach that seems to resonate. Um, cause different coaches have different focuses. Yes. Um, so if you find a coach, it's like, okay, this is a business coach and it fits in my price range. And so I'll just use this person. Um, but if they don't resonate and, um, and things aren't working, then it may be a little bit difficult, but spend some time really following coaches and trying to find someone that is, is going to be helpful for the challenges that you face in your type of business. Yes, definitely. Well, Julia, thank you so much for being on True Talk. Thank you. Well, that's our show this week, guys. You can reach out to me online at urbanbookeditor.com or michelleberard.com. You can also find me on Facebook and Instagram as Urban Book Editor. Send me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Feel free to send in some topics you'd like us to cover on the show. Make sure you guys tune into the show on February 21st when my guest will be educational mentor and author Darian Tanner. You can find us twice a month on Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Mountain, 7 p.m. Central, and 8 p.m. Eastern at the Somewhere in the Middle Podcast.com. Let's continue the conversation. You guys be good, stay mindful, and remain prayerful. Peace and blessings, y'all.